Welcome back to DC Cinematic Minute, the daily podcast where we analyze Zack Snyder's Justice League by each individual minute. My name is Nathan. You can find me on all social media at NoClutchNate. And my name is Mark. You can find me on all social media at Mark Meadows. And hey there, everybody. This is Andy Nelson again from Marvel Movie Minute and the Next Real Film Podcast. I am all over the place at Soda Creek Film. Too easy. Uh, look it up on your internet uh, access points. Usually it's a computer. Sometimes it's a phone. Hey, maybe even a tablet. Today, we are back in the studio. We are talking about minute number 167 of the aforementioned Zack Snyder's Justice League. This minute is going to start out with Wonder Woman uh, finishing a headbutt on Superman. or right, f- Fully headbutting Superman. Um, And this minute is going to end with Lois Lane pleading an anger, an angry, an angerly, an angered Cal-El Clark Superman. Um, That is, yeah, yeah, I'm I'm struggling. Um, He's he's floating (laughs) above everybody uh, as if it is just him and the sun and he is the entire reason it is all there. Um what a what a great what a great turn of of events in this uh in this minute um andy you mentioned the uh batman uh crap in his pants in the last uh <laughs> yeah. episode this is when i would be crapping my pants yeah um, it's there's, this is the second load <laughs> <laughs> Al, Al, alfred alfred you need to, alfred I, I alfred i knew this was gonna happen well, i always told you it was a dirty job alfred yeah get, get mike Rowe. Mike Rowe getting it. Mike Rowe doing a day as Batman, huh? Doing all the all the the sewer gator stuff. Killer Croc, a Killer Croc fight with Mike Rowe in the Batman outfit. Let's get that on screen, huh? Sure, you can fund it. You know, my yeah. mom had a huge crush on Mike Rowe. Uh, it's good to know, Nate. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, <laughs> uh, I don't know what to say to that one. Just put it uh, out sure, there. Sure, I could see something. Yeah, I can. Yeah, Micro, if you're listening, I know Mike you are. Rowe, if you're listening. <laughs> Here's my mother's phone number. Yeah. Get ready. It's 407. Uh, okay. Uh, yeah, this is... Uh, uh, I remember seeing this minute in theaters. No. Uh, wait. We watched it in my living room. <laughs> Hold on. Let's rewind this. I Because I haven't seen the theatrical cut in quite a bit. This heat vision part does not exist in the theatrical cut really i right i the don't gauntlet. i don't know the gauntlet is a good question where he does the or he's blocking the heat vision that doesn't happen he gets hit remember he flies up towards him he hits him he crashes in the car he says alfred i need the big guns which is somehow yeah pulling yeah. lois lane into the mix which doesn't make any sense I think Alfred is there in in a car. Yeah. He's sitting next to Lois Lane. This is the theatrical cut I'm talking about yeah. for the listeners. Yeah. Lois Lane is in the is brought by Alfred. Yeah. In in the role. Batman's plan to use Lois Lane. It's weird sure. that that's the point that he decides that as opposed to, I don't know, earlier. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and that's so like that that plan is correct. <laughs> let, let, let's just let's just say that that plan in the 2017 theatrical version is a correct plan for Batman. 
it's just it just highlights how shitty of a person he is uh well yeah that's but you know <laughs> let's let's batman, do, right? you want to start at the beginning of batman and just you want me to just point him out to you <laughs> <laughs> um so like i i understand and that was when we were talking about it yesterday um with uh the first uh load in his pants um that's also when i am way more inclined to believe that the plan is to have Lois here. What hurts me within all of that is when he does have to call to Alfred and say, bring out the bit that, that that's not a Batman thing. Um, Maybe, maybe if you want to be campy and stuff, but it's not that contingency plan is supposed to only exist in Batman's mind and only, go into effect if everything else fails, right? That's just how Batman works. So in the 2017, when Batman is essentially about to get ripped in half because one, he's not looking for a fight, two, not even anywhere shape close to fighting him like he did a couple years ago. Mm -hmm. Um, And three, that is the moment where I think he would say, this is when this contingency plan has to go into effect. Um, just like when he got knocked down and pulled out the gas grenades and on, you know, why didn't he account for the rain? He probably did. But this is the thing. Batman knows all of these steps. So seeing him in this moment, in this version, in Zack Snyder's Justice League, I have to, it's a little bit harder for me to swallow because I have to then think about this version of Batman, um, trying so hard to uh, uh, redeem himself from all of these things that he did, in particularly redeeming himself in the eyes of this god. Um, Mm. And him choosing not to do contingency plans or to put in anything or to even have an inkling of a plan other than just stand there and try to talk my friend down, it's harder for me to swallow, but also I love that because it is something so un-Batman that I am not expecting and I'm very happy to see someone like write down like that was a that was a real thought that someone thought of was like no Batman's gotta he's gotta put his hands up and go look I need to yeah I I gotta talk you down like this is I'm your friend or at least I want to be your friend yeah. we're buddies right come on um and i'm I'm glad you got to that point because that was my note for this minute yeah. is that um if, if specifically if we look at the last movie and he's using the kryptonite grenades mm-hmm. to to attack superman this time he's dealing with superman and he's choosing to just protect himself while he tries to talk things out like he should have done in the last movie so it's a complete yeah. 180 parallel of Lesson his learned. approach to Superman, yeah, it was to to not attack him, but just to protect himself while he tries to communicate. So yes, you are right, Nate. He could have been Batman <sighs> at his most Batman. We saw that in the 2017 version of the movie. They and and he he uses everyone in in that version the way that Joss Whedon wrote the movie is that you know he's he doesn't want to be part of a team even though he's creating the team. Um, he's using Lois Lane. He's bringing back Superman just to save the world. Um, he he wants the job done, and he'll use whoever he can to get the job right. done, which is very, 
like JLA yes, Batman. Yes, that's kind it. Of. That's 1990s yeah. Batman mindset where it's like I that you're correct. <laughs> it's just but like you need to. We're trying to be better people. Yeah, that's what this. <laughs> Why did you this grow? Whole cinematic <laughs> storyline has been about is like we can be better human beings. This is the growth here. I will not try to be Batman in this moment. I'll try to talk to you as Bruce and Clark. And so that's that's the moment we have here. Um, I just uh, one more thing that I definitely want to get your thoughts on this minute, Andy. Uh, but just food for thought. This is this this is the minute here because instead of the laser beam um, in the Joss Whedon version, he you know he smacks Bruce into the car. He says, "Alfred, I need the big guns," and then. That's where he grabs him by the jaw. And then the, do you bleed? And then then we have the mustache moment. Yeah. So take it away, Andy. (laughs) Oh, the mustache moments. Uh, You know, I I absolutely agree. I I think that this is is what is exciting about these, uh, these franchises that are kind of like giving us the opportunity to follow these characters over multiple... Uh, films because I feel like this Batman has really learned some lessons from that past film and when the only thing that he says here is Clark this world needs you uh, it's you know he he is uh, like an you know we talked about in in uh, the last minute about this idea like why is Batman not doing anything he's just standing there but I think like there's so many things that he's probably trying to process like I can't fight this guy I don't I shouldn't run because he'll be able to find me in an instant um, and so he's trying to figure out like what can I say to this person who I mean largely is not acting like Superman we haven't really talked about the idea that like who is this Superman at this particular point yeah. like where is the what's the brain right the point of his resurrection here and uh, it's because it's just this, you know, this this rage monster is really all we're getting out of Superman. I mean, he he's he is brought back and he, it's like, bing, Batman, I remember that vague shape and we were fighting and now I'm just going to keep fighting you. And that's kind of where we come into this. But having Bruce, the only thing that he really could have done, which might have been a little too Michael Keaton is to like pull his mask off to have to say those lines yeah, and to allow himself to kind of have that human element as opposed to saying it through the bad outfit. But at the same time, um, that might have looked a little cheesy to do. So I, I just think the fact that he delivers that line, which is it's soft spoken, it's not like he's not screaming it out at him or anything. It's, it's pretty quiet the way that he delivers it. But I think that it's saying everything that we need him to say to, tr- I mean, it's really all he can do to try getting through to this person. And I, I don't know, I find it to be such an interesting um, relationship moment for these two characters. I mean, even after he's blasted into the car, I mean, we could argue the fact that he probably can't move much after that. Uh, I know I'd be a little stiff <laughs> able to get up. <laughs> But like all he does there is just like raise his arm uh, to protect himself from the second incoming blast. It's really interesting portrayal of of um, Bruce Wayne in this in this scene. Yeah, and and I I do think like it still would have worked because I um I'm always a fan of the way Michael Keaton rips off his cowl, especially in in Returns, where it just yeah. kind of rips it's off. And, <laughs> right. Yeah, and it could explain you know uh, later in the movie he gets the the new kind of. Uh, tactical armor suit that he has, not like not like the other armor suit that he had before, but um, the Pajornov suit. And uh, you know, explain it could be like, oh, I got a new cow because you know, I ripped it off in this fight, and 
stuff. So, but uh, it's always like a very just cool thing to do. So I'd be like, just rip it off. But then I was also thinking, I don't know if Superman has really met Bruce Wayne mm. besides the gala. Like he's only ever seen his, his like talk to him as Batman. Um, I guess that's that's who he is. I think we're. Uh, I think in that sentence we're giving too little to uh, Cal's intelligence. <laughs> he just he, uh, he's just always looking at him anyways. Like yeah, the he knows. Vision, right? And then in Dawn of Justice, um, when he does go to confront him, he is confronting him as Bruce, and it is mm. like mm. a. I'm this. I'm doing my guard down. I really hope you're going to read this room and do this here. Obviously, it doesn't work like that. But um, yeah, I do think that they have a a Bruce Clark relationship and a very good one at that um, because of how little we've seen with them interacting with each other. Um, but we still get that uh, Bruce Tim Justice League animated style of conversation between the two of them. That one obviously knows the other is uh, more harsher and, uh, you know, and and Batman obviously needs to take a lighter approach to Superman um, Mm -hmm. and that kind of that whole idea, um, which goes into his line of dialogue that he says in this part with, you know, the very soft spoken, the world needs you. Um, I have always taken that as more of a. Batman telling himself that because um, I always thought that what he wanted to say, it, w- it was always fun for me to think that Batman was lying um, to Clark in this moment here. And in the, in that thought being, I need to tell whatever I can to this person to make him stop. Um, that's just in my mind. That's just what <laughs> this, this human would be doing. Um, so trying to say, you know, like, let me connect with this person that I know is an, is a good person. The world needs you, not Clark, I need you, because that's what you really are trying to say. That's been your whole shtick for this entire time is you need him. Um, yeah. But then it, it is. So I always took that as Bruce telling himself, like, you need to tell this person the world needs you because the world needs you. It is not about me. It's not about me anymore. It was for all of this time. But the moment that Mother Box activated you and brought you back to life, it is not about me. And Andy, you brought it up. Batman is learning a lesson here. Um, Batman doesn't learn lessons, or at least he doesn't learn lessons well. That is a fact. That is a hard fact about that character. Um, And you see it all the time. And it is a flaw. And it's a good flaw. (laughs) And it's a great flaw to make the stories of that character continue and also reuse things and yada, yada, yada. It's amazing. Um, But he's stubborn. He doesn't learn lessons. And right now he is forcing himself to learn this lesson. Mark, you said it a couple years ago. He, his, his first thought was attack, attack, attack. I (laughs) need, great band. Um, uh, you know, do all that stuff. Let me learn that lesson. I'm not supposed to be attacking now. I'm supposed to make something for defense. Let me do my gauntlets, uh, you know, bracelets like Wonder Woman. It's a complete 180. This is a Batman that has learned his lesson without the help of a Robin telling him he's wrong. 
which is another big thing. That's like not that many people are telling him he's wrong other than Alfred. And he's been telling mm-hmm. him he's wrong for 40 years. <laughs> well, it's you like, know, uh, like that's what yeah. Alfred is saying earlier. He says, uh, you've let your guilt or does it say you've let your guilt overcome your reason? Or he said, don't uh, let your guilt overcome something your along reason. those, along those yeah. lines. Yeah. He's, it's uh, because it, he's talking in regards to resur- trying to use the mother box to resurrect Clark here. Uh, because he's he feels guilty, yeah. Um, which is a line that's said in the 2017 version by Gal Gadot as Wonder Woman. Uh, she says something similar: it's because of your guilt, like you feel guilty. So they, at least they got that thematic down. You know, he is trying to um, uh, atone for his sins. You know, killing, uh, basically being at fault for for letting a person die uh, in the last in the last movie. And I believe if I can try to step into the shoes and the mindset of Chris Terrio is that when he says the world needs you, I believe the, the introduction of the mother box is kind of like, uh, um, Percival bringing the, the Holy grail to King Arthur and, and, and restoring him, Again, and being like, you know, the world, you know, the kingdom needs you, King Arthur. And so drawing from Excalibur and all that, like you can see, like he's saying to King Arthur here, like the the kingdom still needs you. And, you know, it's I've brought you back to life, but I, you know, remember who you are and like uh, uh, being like uh, the Superman for a reason, like the reason that you're the reason that, yes, you're an angry rage monster right now, but you are not the same as Doomsday or General Zod. There's something else that's special about you that I believe in you, even though you got the heat vision armed and ready, I still believe in you because I'm taking that leap of faith. Um, and I think that's a great way to to segue into Lois Lane here because the heat vision is full force on on Batman, and yet Lois Lane steps right into kind of like the path almost and and then it, it dissipates because superman sees lois lane but lois lane has no fear of the heat vision she's just calling out to clark and so it's a you know it's faith it's love it's all those things that goes against reason and there's it it's not just batman but it's lois lane too that i want to point out it's just like they they see this person differently than than General Zod and Doomsday. Uh, and I think there's something quite special about that. <laughs> it's really, it's an interesting uh, relationship. And I think that, again, it just speaks to uh, the the tone of what they're trying to create here with, um, with Lois being the one to, I mean, w- you know, for us as the audience watching this, we can tell Superman, you know, he came back, but clearly is not who he was like there, like mm-hmm. his, his personality has not fully clicked in yet. And so it's just all those vague memories of whatever had happened. And we see kind of that, the whole end of everything again at the very beginning of this film. So that whole death of Superman thing, I mean, coming back to life, it's like, it's, it's, it's broken him. And he, uh, like at this point, he's not, he hasn't had all those switches click in yet. And the only switch that has really clicked is the recognition of 
Batman we were fighting, so I'm going to keep that up. <laughs> and then it's that it's that moment with Lois coming in here and running. And I, you know, I certainly appreciate in this version that it doesn't have to be uh, kind of through Alfred and Batman, but she just comes up running. And um, because again, there is that genuine love, that connection between those two characters that we've had building over the last few films. And I like how there's that recognition in Clark's eyes, like he, but he doesn't recognize her you know like there's there's something though and the switch flips like I, I love how quickly the heat vision just clicks off with his eyes when he he recognizes and I think it's probably I don't know the way that I see it is like he's recognizing the feelings first like the emotions the love the draw mm-hmm. to her before he even recognizes her and everything and like I, I think by the time in the next couple of minutes as we kind of continue this moment between the two of them I think that slowly is happening but I think right here it's just that connection of a positive bond that that um kind of triggers him to make that switch here and i really like it yeah and and i and i i think it it's obviously a parallel to to dawn of justice right i mean in in the last movie uh uh Batman has the the kryptonite spear. He's about to stab Superman and end it. And then here comes Lois Lane running in. Um, obviously, we have the whole the whole Martha bit, but Lois Lane is there to interject in between them and and stop both of them and and explain to Batman that Martha is the name of of Clark's mother. And and then this moment here, I mean, Superman is about to kill Batman, and here comes Lois Lane to, to interject and be like, you know, like you've got to stop this calling someone by a name that that relates to them and calling him Clark, not Kal-El or Superman, but the a name that, that uh, penetrates even uh, heat vision almost. And, and it just stops the violence and by, by, by association, by kindness, you know, being able to relate to someone. And he's like, I do relate to you somehow. You know, I don't know how, but this is yeah. starting to feel familiar and I wouldn't hurt something I'm familiar with. So then, it, you know, it's, it's starting to come back. So yeah, I think it, this is uh this would be a parallel to, to the last film. Very good parallel at that, to be honest with you. Um, and if we're going with the whole full circle thing, it makes complete sense. Um, Cause it does. Um, it really is a great uh, moment, I think, for these two characters. Um, mm-hmm. Really incredible. I think this was one of the uh, m- more fun uh, interactions I've had thinking about. Um, it's more thought-provoking for me than just seeing a cool action sequence uh, on the screen. Um, we mentioned at the beginning of the minute, Andy, you mentioned that... Um, this version of Kal-El that has come back and has been resurrected, um, I want to just talk about that just a little bit, um, just to, I guess, point out for the sake of pointing out. Um, my mindset immediately goes to the idea of just that... Uh, Aquaman says it in a previous minute, you know, what when something comes back, it's, you know, you, you lose something when you come back or, or whatever. You're yeah, not, you're not the same person. Not without giving something in return, right? Yeah, like, yeah. Um, that's you know obviously the um, uh, 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 what is it? 
equivalent 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 exchange equivalent exchange there you go it's but it's i think it's real when it works within uh these comic book character settings i think that idea of a resurrection resurrection pit and the person coming back a little tainted should just kind of stay consistent i think um it kind of makes sense in my head canon um but also like the way that the resurrection has been happening we've seen two resurrections in this uh world in this universe already one being zod and the other being the superman both vastly different and yet apocalyptic and kryptonian technology is bridged at some point we know that um so inside work too right well yeah well and then he well yeah but he's he's different it's that he's i'll I'll let you finish he's the third branch he's the third branch um yeah so just the way that uh this resurrection or even kryptonians can be resurrected um one, there's a reason why the Kryptonian Council banned that. Uh, the obvious one being Zod and uh, or uh, the Doomsday virus, whatever we're going to call it, whatever we did call it in the past. That whole atrocities being a thing, um, you know, would obviously put a ban on that society. But the like, it seems to me like that idea and that process of resurrection is not only centered in krypton nor is it centered only on apocalypse like that whole idea seems like that that is a law in this universe that you can influence if you have the means the mother box being one of those means kryptonian technology and a genesis chamber and a host being another means um so what i'm getting at is the (laughs) there has to be some sort of law and science to this resurrection thing so when people like Kryptonians are able to be resurrected, there is a definitive thing that does get lost. Your mind is somewhere. We see that here. We saw it on a larger scale with uh, Doomsday. And it is that idea of um, desecration without name to spite a memory. Mm-hmm. I think that's like, I, I think that's a law. <laughs> Yeah. In, in and, resurrection and, 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 and terms. And just, just for the <laughs> listeners and Andy here, I know this sounds like crazy talk. Yeah. Nine times out of ten, Nate is kind of crazy. But it's, uh, we, we've, you know, this is only the the third movie, Man of Steel, Dawn of Justice, Zack Snyder's Justice League. But ever since we started doing this movie by minute journey of these movies, um, we've tapped into, there's there's a lot of lore baked into this uh krypton universe especially in that first 20 minutes we've talked a lot about it um everything that he's talking about like bertrand's curse and the genesis chambers and now now in this movie we have the the mother boxes and of course uh, all the comic book history of, of jack kirby's fourth world um it's all somehow uh referenced in these movies especially that we never we never f- come we never went full circle with uh, the codex that is uh, imbued into kal-el but there's there's this underlying theory that what separates Kal-El from both the Apocalyptans and uh, General Zod as any other Kryptonian 
is that this codex is like kind of like the life equation into the DNA of Kal-El. So what makes him special. I mean, like, uh, so the fact that the mother box uh, resurrects Superman, but like doesn't make him doomsday or, or any other crazy deformity is because the life equation is, is fighting is, back. That's fun. Yeah. And so the life mm. equation is, is in him, <laughs> which is also the, another reason why we talked about that, um, you know, he was sent to earth. The life equations here. Stephen will finds it. Dark side will turn Superman into like the nightmare Superman that we see later in the future here is that because Darkseid is able to manipulate the codex within Superman. So there's it's a, only three movies, but there's some crazy like deep lore in there. I don't know. I, I don't My know. main point was just wanting to get your guys' <laughs> thoughts on this uh, <laughs> version of this resurrected Superman and where you guys stand on like, I guess we're going to call it Lazarus Pit Rules. Uh, I was going to say, I, I wanted to toss it to Andy because I, I think... In the Marvel Cinematic Universe, not counting for like the kind of endgame timeline changes like Gamora, but I think Vision is the only one that's been resurrected as uh, White Vision, or I don't know what the other word is. There, is there a better word for that? <laughs> uh, that's a good question. Well, yeah, it's uh, well, yeah, and I mean, I, I guess there's also the I don't really think it really kind of falls into the same thing with resurrection with the multiverse because that's a whole other thing which in a way is its own resurrection because you can bring any dead character back now because they're alive in some other multiverse like some variant yeah yeah um and, and so that is a totally different thing on its own I I don't think that we really get this type of resurrection and what I I I suppose the challenge with the idea of resurrection in the first place. And we know this This all kind of came from the comics because Superman did die. It was a whole, I have the whole comic line that I was buying back in college with the whole death of Superman. It's, it's, a, it's a fun read. And obviously, you know, in comic book marketing terms, it was a great tool for them to get more sales, uh, mm-hmm. yada, yada. I yeah. mean, there's that whole side of it. But at the same time, it allowed them to kind of build some of this stuff in. And... I don't think that you can fairly give an audience the idea of resurrection and then just have it happen where he pops out and, hey, I'm Superman again and everything's hunky-dory. Let's go um, fight Steppenwolf. Because you're because when you do that, you really are... It is that same thing as the multiverse where you take away all sense of stakes where it's like, well, mm-hmm. okay, now you can just bring someone back and it doesn't matter if they die anymore because you can just bring them back. And what a bore that you lose so much um, power. And so I think you need to do something like this where it really does. uh, I mean, you can certainly argue that the version of Superman that we had in the previous two films and then the version that we get even after he's kind of, quote, restored uh, later in this film is still a different Superman. Like he has... A, a, there has been this change in him. And I, I think that when you go through this process of a resurrection in a storyline like this, you need to show that. And I think that's critical to give us something different, that he's seen a different side. He's been on, you know, whatever we say in this universe is, you know, the, you know, after death sort of world. And, and 
I think that we need that. And, you know, it takes a while. And that's the other important thing is like, it's going to, it's going to be a full journey for him to kind of work through to kind of figure out who he is again. Because I don't think if, if Lois Lane didn't show up here, he may not have ended up looking like uh, Doomsday did and having that full transformation. But I, I think that I, I don't think had he killed Batman here, I think those switches in his head may not have ever been able to switch back. And I think it, he would have just ended up becoming essentially the Superman version that we see at the end of the film. You know, the, mm. the one who's just running around destroying everything. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. He, um, you know, who knows what, what would have happened then after. But uh, yeah, it it is Lois Lane that kind of puts things back in, into place. And um, it's... It's uh, obviously it's, it's it's scary to have this kind of Superman. I mean, even uh, we'll talk about it later in the film. But when he's fighting Steppenwolf, there's still an aggression in this Superman uh, in, in, in the Zack Snyder's version that kind of feels like it's hinting at like, well, are you like, are you back to normal? Because that's, <laughs> that's kind of I mean, Steppenwolf's down. He's down for the count. But you're you're still wailing on him uh, and, and like heat visioning, like part of his horn off and stuff like that. There is a, th- yeah, there is, there is a bit of him that's like, I don't know. I don't, I don't know if you're, if you're fully okay yet. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's uh, I, I, I like you. I like when you brought up uh, the rebirth of Superman, cause there was a lot of, uh, um, or the return of Superman. There was a lot of good stuff in there. Um, like you said, it was a very fun time in, in comics. I mean, we yeah. got the Eradicator out of that. So uh, it's always fun to see um, the way that they were able to explore some of the the ways that they can go about and play around with different versions of Superman before ultimately, you know, we're going to come back with an all-black suit Superman with the silver S. So a very fun time. All right. Well, we're going to wrap up for today. If you've enjoyed today's show, please consider leaving us a five-star review. It really does help the show and helps new listeners discover the show as well. If you'd like to join in on the conversation, you can find us on Twitter at DCEUMinute. And if you'd like bonus content, we have a Patreon for just $3 with tons of other podcasts to listen to. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll catch you here next time on DC Cinematic Minute.